Welcome to the Slavic Connection. I'm your host, Tom Rehnquist, and today we have with us Graham Reblitz. This past summer, actually, after I came back from London, I interned in the Senate in D.C., and it was cool, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it, but it, I'm, I'm not that political of a guy, to be honest. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people, or a lot of young people especially, they're looking for other avenues to get involved. Graham Reblitz is in his senior year, and he is the president of the International Affairs Society on campus, and he truly lives up to the title. We talk about quite a bit going on in the world today, and I can comfortably say that he makes senior year me look like middle school me. So I hope you all enjoy. You're listening to The Slavic Connection, brought to you by the Center for Russian, East European, and Eurasian Studies at the University of Texas at Austin. So I'm just going to throw to you, and we're going to start it. Graham, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Tom. I, uh, I'm Graham Rebelist. I'm an econ and gov major. I'm getting a, a security studies certificate from the Clemens Center, and I'm a senior from Lakewood Ranch, Florida. And you were the president of the International Affairs Society? Do you have yeah. the title right? Yeah, yeah, I don't exactly. want to miss No, you got it, you got it, you got it. Yeah, International Affairs Society. So I started kind of going to meetings freshman year and just kind of casually. Um, and then by junior year, I got made president. Um, and this is my second year as president. Now. Cool. So what yeah. are like the main duties of international affairs or the president? Yeah. Are you traveling around the country, yeah. going to the schools? Or? No, I. so mo- most of my stuff is based here. Um, mm-hmm. Probably the, the biggest outreach that I do is just to, you know, local NGOs or guest speakers in the Austin community, just to come get them, you know, to speak to us, talk to our members. Um, but basically what we kind of do is we have, you know, guest speakers, we have debates, discussions, uh, some network, small networking events, uh, all kind of, you know, based around world affairs, international affairs. And I know that our whole officer team were like, it's, I feel like international affairs is something that affects everybody, you know? Um, so mm-hmm. like the interest has to be out there. Right. there you know, there, yeah. it, the big thing is getting, connecting with people, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah, so this is my second year doing that. Um, and it's great. We got, we grew the club a good amount, got some good speakers, events have been going good. So definitely uh, proud of it, but yeah. And what do you think draw you to that uh, sort of subject material? Is that something you want to yeah. get into post-grad or you just yeah. always been kind of a, cosmopolitan type yeah of. well i am definitely a little bit cosmopolitan yeah. but um i, I grew I've, I've moved around a little bit so i was originally from houston and then i i grew up mostly in washington dc so i have that you know the cosmopolitan yeah. thing going on um and then now i'm obviously the last four years i've spent in florida the main thing that drew me to it was uh i was just i was pretty lucky growing up just to be exposed to a lot of international mm-hmm. stuff um my my mom's from madrid spain so that's pretty cool. We had cool. that going on. I have a bunch of family over there. And then we got family from Germany, England. We got family from South Korea. So yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, kind, of, it's yeah. kind of a wide, you know, uh, span there. But yeah, no, just being mm-hmm. exposed to that growing up was just, I thought, really cool. I mean, every Sunday we go talk to my mom's relatives and we, you know, talk about this stuff, what's going on around the world. So that's kind of had an impact on me for sure. And you yep. chose uh, Gov and Econ as study instead of yeah. IR. Is that yeah. a little shade towards IR? You yeah, seem to be. I, yeah. So I... When I was coming into college, I really, I mean, I'm pretty sure sports management was my second yeah. <laughs> thing that yeah. I put on there. And I'm, I'm a sports guy too. So, mm-hmm. um, but I just wasn't 100% sure where I was going. Uh, so I kind of really developed and honed that interest in international affairs, probably like sophomore year, it really started building. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, 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 Gov has a track that's like, I guess, IR kind of a track. Um, and it's, it's not like it's incredibly, you know, rigid or anything like that. Right. But you do, I mean, a lot of the classes I'm in have a bunch of IRG kids in them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, uh, I'm still covering a lot of the same stuff. Yep. And I assume a lot of stuff you learn. I mean, 
I went to a 1500 person school yeah. in Maine. So there wasn't really even like IR yeah. type majors. But I assume right. what you learn there, there's tools you learn, but actually like to put it all together, you need that government background, you yeah. need econ background, you need sociology That's background. a little bit how, and obviously, uh, you know, I'm not trying to you know, say anything bad about the IR, IR major or anything, but my, my view of it was, I kind of like that theoretical analytical side mm -hmm. that Gov or IR, or IR gives you. And then economics is definitely, especially at UT, it's super quantitative. So that was a really good kind of concrete bedrock for, you know, that it just, they complement each other well. Mm -hmm. And I have a little bit of interest in, you know, the finance business side as well. So how that kind of plays in to uh, geopolitics and all that. So, yeah, this past summer, actually, after I came back from uh, from London, I interned in the in the Senate in D.C. And it was cool mm -hmm. and I enjoyed it. But it I'm, I'm not that political of a guy, to be honest. Yeah. I just I can't. Once you start doing it and every single day, like mm -hmm. we had it where the the, con the communications department was like right by our all the intern desks. Mm -hmm. So every single day, like from, you know, nine to five, they're talking about, oh, did you see the senator on this? Do you see the senator? And it's like, you can't believe, you're, you know, I can't believe what this person said. I can't believe this is. Mm -hmm. And it just gets exhausting after yeah, a while, you know, so, like, frantic. It, it, it is. It's, it's super fast, but it's cool because you get to see people um, that, you know, you see on TV or whatever. Like, right. you know, yeah. you'll see all these big time senators. Um, but I mean, without, I, without makeup, without makeup. Oh, yeah. they, and they look older in real life for yeah. sure. I noticed that. I was Bernie like, looks about 110. Bernie, yeah, he's got. <laughs> I think uh, what was it? Johnny Isaacson, um, who I want to say is from like. No, I don't know that is. Is that? I, I he's from. I want to maybe like Iowa, something mm -hmm. like that. I think he's like 82. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he looks like he's like 200 in real yeah. life. I mean, like he can. Bear, he has to have like a person help him walk around and everything. So, I. Uh, I was like, man, these people are really yeah. like. Is it, they're it's, old. it's kind of disturbing. Yeah, yeah I was like. These are the public servants, and they're super old. So I don't know. The energy of that stuff too. Like I feel the whole point of like wanting to work in policy is you're yeah. interested in like the broader direction of America. Yeah. And then yeah. politics is just like oh, it's super. Yeah. But it's like yeah, there's no bird's eye view. So. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say I feel like a lot of people or a lot of young people, especially, they're looking for other avenues to get involved mm -hmm. because just traditional. You know, I mean, I guess there's grass. I mean, I know I literally just walked by Heidi. What is it, Heidi? Can't remember her last name. Sloan, something like that. And she's, mm -hmm. a, she's running for, I think, a House of Representative seat here in Texas. Mm -hmm. So, um, but a lot of like grassroots stuff. What a uh, senator intern for? Uh, John Cornyn. Cool. Yeah. I wasn't originally going to do a Senate internship at all because, again, I'm not that into politics. Mm -hmm. So, but the director of the Clement Center, Dr. Mm -hmm. Inboden, he, uh, he was talking to me about it and he was like, yeah, well, like, I know a lot of people have this stereotype that you just go work in the Senate and it's like you're just answering, you know, uh, constituent mail or you're mm -hmm. just doing useless stuff. But he's like, Senator Korn does a really good job actually getting the interns involved and stuff um, and letting us, you know, I got to go to committee hearings. I got to give tours of the Capitol. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, yeah. there's something cool you can do in any internship. I was gonna say, yeah. So as long as you take it, you honestly get in what you put out. Yeah. So I I really liked it. I thought it was a fun time. Um, cool. I don't know if I'd work on Capitol Hill 100%, because right. again, you know, super political, but um, it was a great experience. You know, I have no regrets about it at all. Cool. You definitely present yourself as a broad person. You're yeah, yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. Stuff. yeah. Um, what would you say you're most deep in? I mean, besides maybe running the Texans or who's your team? Oh, my, my team. Oh, uh, for sports. So I was obviously I was born in Houston, like I said. So yeah. I'm a Houston guy for all sports. Okay, um, gotcha. I uh, big Rockets fan, big Astros fan. Obviously, the the Astros thing mm -hmm. super disappointing. Were you rooting for Daryl Moore to get fired over the China thing to so get his job? You know, or? I I I thought that it was. He stepped a little bit out of place on it, but yeah. I, I, I can't get that angry about it. Um, I know that 
I saw that in China they were censoring Rockets games and everything, yeah. which is kind of crazy because yeah. the Rockets are the number one um, all star coverage team. too. I right, all star coverage. Yeah, even everything. Listed. So that's yeah. that's just crazy to me. And I know since Yao Ming became, I guess, like a global ambassador for the mm -hmm. team, um, support over there is huge for yeah. for the Rockets. So I was, you know, when when Daryl Morey came out and said it, I was like, you know, I kind of understand. And I think a lot of people, especially in America, kind of have. Uh, sympathetic yeah. view toward the Hong Kong because mm -hmm. it's, we see ourselves in them just like they see themselves right. in us. And um, even it just seems so kind of off the cuff of Mori. It does. And he's yeah. such a calculated dude. Like he, well, was, in yeah. interviews, he's very honest. Yeah. But at least in how he runs that team, it is. he's an assassin. He's he is. I mean, I think I was reading something. They call him like Nerd Elvis. Yeah. Or something. Dork Elvis. Yeah. Or Dork yeah. Elvis. Yeah. 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 So I, I, you know, I think he's a cool guy. They keep getting so close in the playoffs, mm -hmm. and it's just not all there. And I honestly right. don't see it this year. But. um yeah, but then and then the Astros. Uh, obviously, I was 2017. I was yeah. super pumped for that. Mm -hmm. And then the whole. I mean, I got like the newspaper article framed on my wall at my at at home. Um, and then all this came out, and I was like, man, that's like the just yeah one World Series we got. Now that has happened, or the you know in my lifetime. And that became such a political story so quickly. Yeah, like it's. I don't think people are really. Well, people are upset about the act, but yeah. the punishment. It just seems mm -hmm. like you're not disincentivizing anything right like these are individuals doing something and all the individuals yeah. are spread elsewhere yeah it's it's I, I think i mean it's a little bit hard to track exactly how you know the the, the web kind of goes out throughout major league baseball mm -hmm. I mean, alex core with the boston red sox yeah so down and all that so it goes red sox fan so red sox yeah. fan. okay yeah. so you know exactly what i'm talking about yeah so um but no it, it has definitely a bunch of arms and i was kind of surprised by you know all over the sports world you know mm -hmm. in baseball but in basketball you have lebron talking about it right just about how mm -hmm. how just incredibly mad people are yeah. about the whole thing, you know, like it's that people are just, they just can't believe it. And I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm with them. I'm, you know, disappointed in myself. I love the team, you know, mm -hmm. Ray Altuve. I loved all those guys. Um, so, and obviously now Hinch is gone as a manager, but yeah, no, it's, it's kind of crazy. Uh, it was like super cool to be a Houston fan and mm -hmm. then just couldn't even enjoy it for like three years. So, so Houston sports star is like yeah, the yeah, 20 no, for sure. In between yeah. that, it's <laughs> moved to Europe sort of think tank. I mean, I, I, I honestly, like it's, it could be a lot of things. I, uh, right now, I mean, coming out of college, I, I, I just want to get exposure to, you know, different areas of the world mm -hmm. or just kind of, you know, doing stuff that's really, that I can lock into. And it's kind of, you know, requires some analytical thinking and all that. And I should say you're the first guest that's ever brought notes for the uh, yeah, host yeah 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 <laughs> I uh, yeah I thought I'd come prepared I uh, I think that the official the topic I was going to talk about was the far right parties in Europe so mm -hmm. I uh, I was like you know I'm, I'm not an expert on this I'm not I'm sure. more an undergrad student so uh, I thought I'd be prepared but yeah I'm definitely an over prepare <laughs> and so how how do you connect that because you have you know roots in Europe you have yeah. roots in America yeah. you are kind of the person that far right groups are like we don't want this person telling us right. to do He's right qualified western educated yeah but he doesn't live here exactly yeah. and i mean i so anyone from our background is going to be yeah. treated the same way exactly. what kind of voice do you think you know educated westerners have mm -hmm. and to these far right parties how do we connect with them yeah i mean i oh how do because we, we are the people that have just been pointed as the right. ones that are getting in the way of their prosperity right 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 you it's a, i honestly i think that um you know we're kind of we're kind of a part of we're seeing it on the American end um, with, you know, we, we are kind of seeing a little bit of the wave of populism is kind of an overused term, but populism has become big here and everything like that. Mm. Um, so I think we've seen some of the, the divisiveness that comes with that. Right. Um, so, you know, 
obviously over there that is a big problem with them they're not into these kind of like foreign cosmopolitan elites coming mm -hmm. in and whatever they i know like george soros is the devil to a lot of them um mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh it's it's definitely an interesting thing and i know there i mean there are so many americans with european backgrounds so mm -hmm. uh just that tie there um it's just super strong and you know i have you know family members who are telling me about this stuff straight up um but yeah, just from a personal standpoint, I mean, my my grandma grew up under a dictator uh, in Franco in Spain. Mm -hmm. My mom spent the first whatever, you know, I want to say 12 years of her life under a dictator. So yeah. uh, when you have them, these personal things, uh, it becomes a lot more tangible, it becomes mm -hmm. a lot more real. Yeah. How different is that generationally? Is your is your mom being like, yeah. this isn't that surprising? Like I grew up in this kind of society. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's crazy. The biggest discrepancy I've noticed between my grandma and my mom's point of view is my grandma is almost a little bit more, because uh, my mom saw both sides of it. Mm -hmm. uh, my grandma is a little bit more, not sympathetic, but she was like, hey, at least, you know, crime was down, everything was right. like that. Mm -hmm. um, now, she doesn't support it in any way. Um, we, uh, yeah, we actually, I mean, crazy story. My my great, I want to say my, my great grand uncle um, was a uh, anti-fascist uh, writer. In Spain at the time. Wow. Yeah, and so he um, he uh, was uh, you know keyed in on by the government, the Franco government, as somebody that like we have to censor this guy or we have to you know, mm -hmm. and he started running away and fleeing uh, you know state boundaries. So they started tracking him around Europe, um, and they ended up uh, taking his daughter and putting her in jail. And they basically told him they were like, hey, um, if you want your daughter back, you're gonna have to you turn yourself in. Mm -hmm. And he just never he didn't do it. He's like leave her in jail <laughs> which oh is God. and my family is a big story yeah i was gonna say like that it's it's a controversial thing so um but actually it has a kind of a sad ending because they ended up they did find him mm. and they literally brought him back and he actually got uh executed by the spanish government so um you know yeah it's an insane story i know it's whenever i say it, people are like dang that's you know that's kind of crazy but that it's, much sounds so far away to people who grew up with spain in the modern yeah. day but like oh, spain yeah. was not let in the you see for decades no exactly by a dictator exactly i mean and, and it's in uh you know all this stuff i you know they were they were still like this in the early 70s so it's, mm -hmm. it's it's still relatively fresh in a lot of people's minds over there um you know and now i mean we have uh nowadays even in spain i know the the vox party mm -hmm. is i want to say like the third most popular uh political party in spain right now right um even though the government itself is heading farther and farther mm -hmm. left but yeah what do you make about how you i mean you have a list of pretty much every far-right party <laughs> yeah. in europe <laughs> There yeah. is a presence in every country. There's right. not nothing close to plurality in right. every of course, country. Of course, yeah. Poland or Hungary, mm -hmm. it's more moving in that direction. Right. How afraid should we just be of a presence of populism mm -hmm. when that's something that is always going to exist? Right. It's just we have a number I, next to it now. I think, yeah, there's two sides to this. Those who are, you know, there are people that say that are more afraid of it. And then others, there are a lot of other people that say, just look at recent 2018, 2019 election mm -hmm. results. And you can see that this is kind of almost maybe it's peaked. Right. Um, but for those who are a little bit more scared of it, I mean, the big thing is just, yeah, that that you don't have to win a plurality. You mm -hmm. can th that that influence can can shift that, you know, just the entire national policymaking uh, a little bit over one way. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the AFD in Germany. Um, I know that Angela Merkel's successor for the Social Democrats. I mm -hmm. totally forgot her name, but she <laughs> she did. Everybody was thinking about. They were like, hey, this woman should be. She's pretty good for mm -hmm. a successor to Merkel, and um, and. I know I think one of the reasons that she had stepped down is because the AFD has become so prominent yeah. in a lot of areas of uh, German policymaking. So, um, yeah, for those who are concerned, uh, it's it's all about just that little influence mm -hmm. that you don't you know, you don't, they, they know they're not going to win 
you know, unless you're you know, Victor Orban in Hungary yeah. or whoever. Um, but and then for those who are on the other side, um, I think uh, like in 20, was it 2019? I think there were eight big elections in Europe um, where, uh, you know, far right kind of nationalist parties stood a chance to win some major seats. Mm-hmm. And uh, only three of those eight, they really saw tangible results. The rest either kind of didn't make any real improvements, you know, uh, maybe mm-hmm. even decreased a little bit. So if if I have to say, is it a problem? It's definitely a concern. It's definitely a concern. Yeah. I think it's definitely a concern. It's definitely upsetting. Uh, it's upsetting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, especially, I mean, it, you know, any you can know nothing about IR or politics or whatever, mm-hmm. and you know the the kind of tainted history that Europe has with yeah. five parties, right? So. The crazy thing that's surprising to me is just kind of how you know ubiquitous it is, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's in it's in Southern Europe, in Spain, it's in Italy, obviously, right. but even the Nordic countries. I mean, Sweden is viewed as one of the most you know liberal, liberal, uh, pro-immigrant countries there are, mm-hmm. and I think it's the what the Swedish Freedom Party or Swedish Democrat Swedish Democrats who are actually a they're they're you know kind of far right as well. So yeah. and they've gained a footing there. So I don't know. It's it's you know we could go into the causes or whatever, but it's um. It's, it, I think it's a little bit disturbing for sure. And, yeah. you know, just even if there's a presence everywhere, it only takes one Orban to kind of overthrow That's what how I was going to say. Yeah. Operates and just. I mean, he's, 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 I mean, he's, he's been censoring people. Mm-hmm. He is just, you know, mandates from the EU about immigration. I think he's just right. been straight up refusing them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and he's kicking out NGOs, yeah. you know, moving the, you know, main university out of Budapest. Yeah. Oh, I, I forget exactly what happened. I, I think shuttered at the main university in Budapest. Jonathan yeah. Parker would kill me if I forget this every time. <laughs> I was going to say, I wish I could tell you, but I, I, no, it is. It's, it's, uh, you know, he's kind of one of those big, him and Matteo Salvini in Italy. Mm-hmm. These are the guys that you look at, like, this is what really um, can happen, you know, potentially. But yeah, and, and then in, you know, certain in Southeast Europe, you have that whole history with, you know, people are kind of repainting the image of, kind of the Ottoman Empire yeah. and the role that that played. Mm-hmm. Because I think I was seeing something in foreign policy the other day that was before a lot of people consider these far right parties to be very, they're not, internet, you know, they're not pro-Europe. They're obviously against mm-hmm. the European Union. They all want, you know, state pride, that state identity. And they were saying there's there's almost little tinges of it's becoming, actually, ironically, some of them are moving in a more pro-Europe direction for the purpose of they want to see like a pure homogenous mm. Europe, mm. right? Mm. And that's in a lot of countries. I mean, it's aimed at Muslim immigration. That's, right. you know, to hit it on the head. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you have these parties that at one point were saying, you know, we don't want the European Union. We're not about Europe. We're about us. Mm-hmm. And now they're saying, no, we are, we're about, you know, white Christian Europe. Yeah. That's what we want. And it's kind of an interesting pivot that they've done there. But yeah. it's just such a bizarre statement to say about Europe, which is it a is. frontier. I was going to say, it yeah, I mean, they look at that for divisive points, yeah. you know, whether it's even when they were in their own countries, you know, it's rural versus urban, rich versus poor, all that stuff. And have you, have you done any research or any classwork about like the Syrian element of all this? Because it seems like I, that's one thing I actually don't I haven't had a huge background in now. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, Dr. Inboden, actually, we're talking yeah. about off uh, Mike. He says Brexit would never have happened without the Syrian civil war. Mm-hmm. Like everything can be traced back right. to the refugee crisis. Yeah, it's no, it's true. I think across the board. Yeah. yeah. And basically, I think I almost think, you know, from my point of view, if you're standing from you know the other side of the ocean here, it almost exacerbated uh, issues that were already going on, you know, tensions between the mm-hmm. EU and its member countries uh, before that refugee crisis. So it's almost like that crisis really tested the relationship those countries had with mm-hmm. the EU. And a lot, you know, a lot that really brought up some uncomfortable stuff for a lot of people. But I mean, yeah. a lot of this is too, as I may cut you off, but yes. just when we talk about IR theory, like it's yeah. easy to have alliances in peacetime. It's easy right. to have 
a political economic union when yeah. there isn't strife. I was going to say, I know that a lot of, yeah, a lot of, I mean, we did this last semester. Liberalism has been a popular thing lately, you know, obviously. Mm -hmm. But the, yeah, the big thing is why realists are still in business is because at the end of the day, when, you know, push comes to shove sometimes, it still gets contentious out there. So, yeah. The realism business is a boom. The <laughs> yeah, 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 I was going to say, you can't, you can't keep it out of the picture. So I feel like a lot of people, yeah, that idea would be some cooperative mm -hmm. liberalism, all that. But, you know, it, it is it's realism for a reason. In reality, it can be a little bit different. I do enjoy uh, every 15 years or so, like the realists, like dust off there. Yeah, uh, Abed. Yeah, like, you <laughs> like, I'm putting this back out. Yeah, we write the whole time. Yeah, so it's I, it's an age old thing. I know mm -hmm. we literally talked in our class last year about how like idealism is coming in as something as well, kind of looking at mm -hmm. like just ideals over states and all that. So I don't know. It's it's obviously complex over there, but yeah, this whole uh, that the you know starting in 2015 and everything, just the whole migration crisis really I think put the whole European world on its head. And how do you see uh, Europe, or at least these movements, viewing the 2020 election? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, if we're talking right. Bernie versus Trump, it's, you know, it's populist versus populist. I was going to say, no, yeah, I, I think that it's a little bit hard to say, but mm -hmm. I know, I mean, I know that Boris Johnson and Donald Trump have a nice, you know, relationship between the two of them. So, I mean, I, I just judging by what kind of makes sense to me, I would assume that uh, a lot of those kind of nationalist parties would be hoping that Donald Trump wins the election. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, maybe yeah. Bernie to them too just looks I like mean, the old guard. You know, well, you know what's crazy? I, who is? Politician. I think it is it in Poland. I think it's in Poland um, where their like far right party is nationalist, far right, blah blah. But they're actually mm -hmm. and you know anti-immigrant. But like on healthcare and on social welfare benefits, they're like far Incredibly left. progressive. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you talk about Bernie getting support, that'd be a perfect example. I mean, like this guy, mm -hmm. there's there's definitely, you know, an image with both of them. And I think just like in the US, there's this disconnect in Europe about common people and then these political elites. And they think, yeah, hey, we're not, you know, we're not, we're not making progress. We're not doing what we need to be doing. So, you know, my big question going forward is anybody who's looked at the history of far right parties or whatever, they, they are pretty good at campaigning mm -hmm. and putting Absolutely. these ideas in people's heads, right? It's very, you know, it's especially when things like a crisis, migration crisis are going on. But when, you know, push comes to shove and you actually, you know, have them in power, then all of a sudden, you know, it's not the same, uh, you know, so. And it's important yeah. to look at the populace too it's happening yeah. something that's always there yeah like, i don't think people didn't feel this way 10 years ago and just right. weren't saying it they did yeah. it's just become politicians are saying it right because old guard politicians have failed dramatically especially in europe and yeah about the for sure crisis for sure. migration like how are you just so to still trust right the professional politicians when stuff mm -hmm. like that happens yeah and i think that that's that's why like i said earlier people that are kind of on this side of you know let's not push the alarm here too soon mm -hmm. we think this is peaking uh if you have to you know some countries might have to go through that where they you know get a lot of far-right representation and they have to see how well in reality you guys wanted this right because it sounded so different but in mm -hmm. reality now it's happening it might not end up like you thought it would right right once again in power so the whole statesman game is definitely harder you know easier said than done mm -hmm. Well, when yeah. you're a statesman and about after you own the Astros, yeah. maybe, I don't know, yeah. before or after. I was probably after. Okay. Yeah. Good. No, the, That's I mean, idea. I don't know. We'll see. If, mm -hmm. As long as I can own the Astros, the, the, the Rockets at some point, like yeah. it's gone perfectly well. And yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll let you guys know. I'll be like, hey, I did it. I, I, just, it. I mean, I'm just thinking, yeah. talking to myself when I was a senior. I don't think yeah. I already know what Foreign Policy Magazine was. Yeah. I think I Googled nationalism in like 2017. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. You so, and a lot of other people too. I'm trying to So, I mean, it's just very impressive to talk to so many of your ages and do this stuff. And, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm definitely a little bit 
of a nerd about it, you know. But yeah, just interesting stuff. Uh, I just, you know, I like talking about it. It's it affects kind of everybody. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's definitely uh, an enjoyable thing for me to do. So, I mean, before we sign off, is there anything yeah. you're uh, plugging? Anything international affair or? I mean, yeah, if, that's coming through. yeah, if, uh, if anybody is interested in it, uh, we got meetings every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. in UTC 1.144, which is kind of a tough location. The room is nice, <laughs> but like anybody who goes here knows the UTC is kind of not the best building, Correct. right? Yeah, and it's in the basement. So, but yeah, UTC 1.144, uh, 7 to 8 p.m. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. It's been great. Yeah, I appreciate it, Jess. Thanks so much. The views expressed on this episode do not necessarily reflect those of the show or the University of Texas. Please visit SlavXRadio.com for more information. Thank you for listening. The Slavic Connection is produced by the Center for Russian, East European, and Eurasian Studies at the University of Texas at Austin. Thank you. Set there and puts yeah. it in the podcast somewhere. For sure. She loves, but uh, yeah. Good stuff. All right. Cool. Yeah, is he like the, uh, sometimes people say the most interesting stuff and they don't know they're being recorded. Yeah. No. We've had some people <laughs> yeah. be like, yes, like I've done that and uh, after, I did that afterwards and then I did this. And then afterwards they're just like, you know, you know, Father's great. Yeah, I feel like once you become a kid, I'm just kind of used to talking, I guess. So, like, it helps. <laughs> Are you good to go? It's not wasting more good material. So I'm just going to throw to you and we're going to start. Grant?